Hello, and welcome to the Great Woman Artist podcast. I hope you are all doing well. I am really delighted that this episode is sponsored by one of my favorite jewelry brands, Alighieri. During this difficult time, Alighieri will be donating 10% of all online sales to Refuge, the country's largest provider of support to women and children escaping domestic violence. Alighieri is also offering 10% off for Great Women Artists listeners with the code TGWA at checkout. See www.alighieri.co.uk for more. Here are a few words from their founder, Rosh Matani, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Over the last few months, we're so proud to have been working with the charity Refuge, who supports survivors of domestic abuse, which affects one in four women in the UK during their lifetime. As Refuge goes into their 50-year anniversary, we've created a pendant called the Glimmer of Light Necklace. 100% of all profits will be going back to Refuge if you're looking for an extra special gift this Christmas. Hello everyone and welcome to the Great Women Artists podcast with me, Katie Hessel. Some of you might know me from the Great Women Artists, an Instagram account I set up in October 2015 which celebrates female artists on a daily basis ranging from young graduates to old masters. Well, in a similar fashion to the Instagram, this podcast is all about celebrating female artists from a variety of backgrounds and histories. And I'm so excited to be interviewing artists on their career or artists, writers, curators, or general art lovers on the woman artist who means most to them. What I want this podcast to do is celebrate female artists in all different capacities. So you, the listener, can gain a look into the greatest female artists working now or from art history. I'm so excited to say that my guest on the Great Women Artists podcast is the incredible London-based illustrator, animator and artist Polly Knorr. Best known for her dark and satirical drawings of women and their demons, Polly's work interweaves themes of identity, sexuality and emotional turmoil in her bold, bright, hilarious and disturbing semi-surrealist dreamlike works. Looking at sexuality and the female experience in the internet age, Polly's incredibly imaginative drawings tell the story of the often housebound women and their demons in the form of an all-consuming devil-like character that appears in her hand-drawn and digital illustrations, sculptures and installations. Creating worlds around them, whether that be from their bedrooms to the bottom of the sea, Polly's all-consuming drawings have the ability to transport us to the deepest part of our minds that feel more relatable than most work found in any museum. Although graduating in 2011, Polly's rise to fame has been predominantly online, having amassed over one million followers on Instagram, with her art inspiring a generation of illustrators worldwide who are breaking taboos around the female experience. Having had numerous solo shows, as well as creating extraordinarily brilliant animation for Shellu's Half to Nowhere music video, genuinely the most incredible music video I've ever seen in my life, and now the narrative-based animation with director Andy Baker for WeTransfer, Polly's characters who are based on real, non-judgmental women going about their private life are some of the most fascinating, complex, real, hilarious characters I have ever witnessed in my life. And that is why I'm so excited to say that she is the artist who we will be speaking to today. Welcome, Polly. How are you doing today? Oh, hello. (laughs) (laughs) You made me sound very good there. (laughs) Well, you are. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. So, I mean, when I scroll through your feed, 
I want to know, like, what is going on? How did this person get to this place? You know, what is their situation? Who are they? Where are they from? Your images are some of the most, like I said, interesting, compelling, funny and timely that I've ever seen and speak to the world in which we live in more sort of poignantly and relatably than most work we even find in museums. I mean, I wish I could just go through your Instagram and ask, who is this person? How are they feeling? They are so incredibly fascinating. And as a woman, I feel like they are all these different corners of my brain and my imagination probably far too relatably. And so I'd just love to start off by asking you, why do you like to focus on women and women's stories in your work? I don't know, really. I think I have always used my artwork as a way to express how I feel about things. And I've kind of done that since I was really young, actually. Instead of writing a diary, I would draw how I felt. So I think, yeah, it just is kind of comes as an expression of how I'm feeling. And do you actively set out to create depictions of real women in your work? I think, again, I tend to draw how I feel about myself and I draw characters which I can imagine myself being friends with or some of them are inspired by my friends or people that I know. But I I kind of don't really like plan the concepts of my work. It just kind of happens. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, what I love about your work is that it's so distinctively you as well. Every time I go back to it, it's like seeing a little sort of corner of my imagination in each of your works. I mean, how did these characters kind of come about? I think just I've always been drawing them. Since I was a child, I would just always draw female characters. I think when I was very young, it'd be like fairies and mermaids. And then I got very into when I was a child and designing dresses, but it was always just, I just wanted to draw the characters. I didn't really care that much about ever making the clothes. And then that kind of just always continued where I've just always drawn these female characters when I was at school girls would always make me like draw them in their diaries <laughs> or boys would try and get me to draw like sexy girls in their <laughs> diaries and I've just always loved doing it yeah and I mean when I look at these women they all have so many kind of moods and personalities behind them I mean are you kind of thinking about their story their narrative their psyche I think it kind of generally comes from my psyche (laughs) of how I'm feeling about something but also it's very influenced by conversations I'll have with friends and how they feel about certain things and so definitely like elements of people I know in those characters and some of the characters are fictional but the kind of thought behind it comes from my own experiences of life. Yeah I mean it's interesting because you know you do have anxieties, love, passion, all these sort of different moods. I mean are they born out of a, a mood that you might be having that day? I think originally I started out and it was from the things I was feeling at that time. I think particularly when I started, not necessarily started making my artwork because I've always done it, but when I started putting them on Instagram, that was when I had just kind of come out of a really bad breakup (laughs) and I was dating people and it was going really like awfully most of the time. (laughs) And there was a lot of anger and rage I had then. I was also, that was before my career was taking off and I was kind of in different work situations of trying desperately to get anywhere with my work or anywhere in the creative world and that not really happening so I had a lot more fuel then (laughs) the rage which definitely came out of my work I feel like that's changed a lot now where you know I feel lucky to be where I am now and I'm in a good solid relationship and and yeah it doesn't pour out of me in the same way that it it used to but I can quite easily tap back into that (laughs) so yeah I've got a lot of memories in the bank (laughs) to be angry about (laughs) definitely I mean the women in your work as well are not kind of idealized forms I mean they're Mm -hmm. every day they look like me and I mean do you think you was it like sort of purposeful thing that you kind of said to yourself okay I don't want to create the kind of idealized 
female because that's what we see so often in yeah. illustration yeah definitely I, when I was younger I used to kind of draw characters that I wanted to look like I yeah. think was the main thing and and I think that's quite common I've kind of seen a lot of artists say that as well that I think growing up yeah I kind of was very concerned about how I looked and what I wanted to look like and the characters were reflective of that where they all had tiny waist big hips yeah. huge lips yeah. big eyes and definitely that kind of changed over the years where I felt more like the work that I was creating was an expression of how I felt and so I want the characters to look like me I want them to look like the people I know and I also instead of focusing on the beauty of the characters I want to focus on how they feel about themselves and their surroundings and what's going on with them instead of just trying to make like a beautiful decorative character that because yeah there's there's a lot of that and that we don't need any more of that <laughs> i mentioned in the introduction you know you do have this sort of astronomical internet success i mean it, it's incredible but also obviously real life success i remember going to your exhibition it's called art mom look it up yeah. um, <laughs> back in the summer of 2017 i went with alice yeah. skinner she took me and we were both so excited <laughs> we were like oh, this is the coolest exhibition i've ever been to there were like queues around the block and it was amazing God, yeah, it's mad i mean why do you think that people have reacted to these particular characters so much I think it was partly the right place at the right time. And yeah. Instagram was really exciting for me at the beginning because I'm sure other people were doing it. But I, at the beginning, was just following my friends online. And my mum and her friends used to always be go and take your artwork into galleries or to companies and show them and I was like no I'm so shy and also that's when I was temping as a receptionist and like my job was to turn people like that away from companies oh, no. so I was like, no that's not gonna happen but then just Instagram meant that you could have this online gallery and you could get people to see it and it, that was really exciting and it took off from there other people I think were kind of weirded out by it, but also interested in it and sharing it with their friends. I think the people that I create my artwork for are people a bit more like me, which I go to galleries sometimes, but I haven't grown up going to the Tate or these places often. It hasn't really felt like that's my world. And the internet kind of allows you to reach an audience that isn't necessarily an art person, but yeah. they can really feel the artwork and they can relate to it. And I think that that is probably what is exciting that yeah they are engaging with artwork and it's very accessible it's just easy it's just there <laughs> and it has been really cool when I then have done galleries and exhibitions and people have come and they're so different to the people that I do see at those galleries there are loads of young women groups of teenage girls coming with their friends sometimes young girls bringing their mums or bringing yeah. their grannies yeah. and like and it's exciting to see that it's not just the same crowds of specifically old, rich people, <laughs> yeah. which is great if they come, please come. It's not necessarily directed at them. Yeah. And I think when I was younger, I was always looking for that kind of artwork, which yeah. is about the kind of the experience that I was kind of going through. And I didn't really find that very easily. I would like, I found a few artists that I was interested in. And there was people like Frida Kahlo, which I guess yeah. I could, even though we live in like different times, different yeah. worlds, but I could relate to her work, the emotional turmoil and that. But that was hard to come by, stuff like that, particularly before, yeah, like we grew up with kind of dial-up internet. It, you weren't like living on the internet and constantly seeing different art all the time. I also just try and draw kind of as honestly as I can. So try to forget about that I'm going to put it online. I would just literally draw how I feel. And I think it's that kind of honesty and the kind of embarrassingness of it yeah. that I think people seem to relate to. I'll get messages from people and they'll always be like, do you have a camera in my room? <laughs> that kind of thing. And like, do you have a camera in my head? Like, I feel so seen. <laughs> um, but I think drawing the kind of embarrassing, cringy, raw feelings that normally you don't show to the world. 
Yeah. It's really interesting you say that because, I mean, I was the same. I mean, I went to museums, but again, when I saw your work and when I see your work like Alice Skinner or something, all these amazing kind of young London illustrators, it feels so relatable and so kind of accessible, but in a really exciting way. And I genuinely think that like people will look back on this time and look at your work and it almost is like this kind of microcosm of what we've experienced. It's like you draw pictures of girls next to their phone in bed. It's like... that is me every single night like worrying about my anxieties like with my phone plugged in next to me and and how that is actually real life even though it is these kind of otherworldly cartoon images and it's so refreshing to see that as well as a viewer like I'm not alone (laughs) yeah yeah I think that's what your work gives us so much yeah and definitely gives me that to see that (laughs) other people can connect to it particularly the weirder stuff there's some that I've kind of made and then I've been like no one's gonna get this or mm. no one's really gonna feel this when I've had difficult things with family or like strange kind of situations and I've put that up and in the comments people will just totally get it so many people have had the same experiences yeah. actually we all feel like we're individual and have this something really messed up is going on and actually it is all of the all of our problems are actually very very common <laughs> we're so basic yeah. you know <laughs> we're so basic <laughs> It's so basic. But I think it's so interesting you should bring up someone like Frida Kahlo. I think of someone like Tracy Emin as well. And I think as a woman, I look at Frida Kahlo, even like her work of even like miscarrying babies or yeah. something or like the pain of heartbreak or yeah. something. It's so intertwined with our lives now. Even though they lived like nearly 100 years ago, I think that is what kind of transcends that kind of art. Yeah, definitely. Her work feels very modern. Like you can look at it now and really... I guess heartbreak is just something that just everyone can relate to. Like (laughs) you can listen to a song made by like some old dude in Texas like a (laughs) hundred years ago and feel it. But yeah, particularly with her work, I feel like I've always felt like I had a special connection that everybody else has. But I'm so intrigued by this kind of ambiguous so I should add for the listeners who are not familiar with your work there are these kind of brilliant sort of devil characters that come up and everything in all these different forms they could be like a caterpillar or they could be like a kind of dead skin or they could be this overpowering sort of mirrored figure again bring you yeah. Frida Kahlo that like you're looking at that other self there's so much in there but I mean this character that finds itself in your work mm-hmm. a devil like demon I mean who is this devil supposed to be and where did they come from yeah I think often when I'm asked about the demon particularly when I first started doing my work people would assume that the demon was the male character or like an ex-boyfriend and in a few it has been but generally the demon to me is the inner dialogue or like the inner critic of the female character so the demon is somewhat kind of like part of the female character's imagination but it could be like a manifestation of her anxieties at the time it's kind of hard to speak about generally because in each one it shifts so much but yeah usually I would say it's some sort of anxiety she has but it can also be a sexual frustration or it's been capitalism or it's yeah. been the patriarchy like yeah. different things in each one but usually and I think most commonly it's the inner critic or how she feels about herself or a part of herself that she wants to hide from the rest of the world yeah because actually at first I thought it was like an ex-boyfriend or yeah. like this male figure that really kind of is all consuming because it's quite kind of gender ambiguous as well yeah one of my favorite works of yours is you put this up in the summer where it was like the heat wave oh yeah um, and how actually this like devil character is kind of us and we kind of hang up our skin in a way and it's yeah. this person who lives underneath us and there's actually like yeah. the kind of truth who just wants to break free or something yeah I think I feel a bit less like that nowadays but growing up I really felt like that I was very 
insecure about the way that I looked and would plaster my face in makeup, would spend hours getting ready. I also went to Loughborough University, which was a kind of very weird uni. Everyone gets like so dressed up, completely different from life here. But just there, yeah, on a Friday night, like everyone took five hours to get ready. Yeah, people... Quite fun. Kind of fun. And also, <laughs> I, would, I got very into it, is what I say. <laughs> but like, I would come back to London and I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to do that again when I go back to Loughborough. And then as soon as I was back in Loughborough, like hair extensions, mm. fake eyelashes. But there was definitely this thing that I was creating an idea of myself. Yeah. And then, you know, I'd get home and then the next day the eyelashes would be like falling off my face mm. and hair extensions all over the bed. And I definitely felt that there were kind of two parts of me or two like constructed identities. Yeah. Yeah. And there was and this identity was what I wanted to be. But then it kind of made me feel worse inside when I wasn't being that character and that's when I would think of myself as that demon and the demon is definitely something that I how I used to feel I'd say but yeah I kind of think of that female and demon character as well by the kind of way you present yourself online and what you feel like offline and or how it kind of makes you feel as well in that sense yeah I mean the history of art has been full of masks as well mm. I mean again you know Frida constructing these kind of identities yeah. but also people like Claude Cahoon the amazing French photographer um, gender nonconformist who mm. you know put on all these different identities because they had all these multifaceted identities and actually we aren't yeah. just this one person we are these multifaceted people who I have about 19 different personalities yeah. <laughs> So sometimes it is nice to hang one up. I love how in this this work as well, the woman is smiling and putting on a great face. And it's like sometimes when you've been smiling for too long, you just want to yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. be your devilish character. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, before I was drawing the demons, I used to often draw like a female character and a weird little fox that I used to draw. And I think I've always kind of liked having the reality of the female character and then this fictional kind of surreal character to kind of help develop that story of who she is and what's going on with her as well. Mm. And why do you associate the devil with women in particular? I don't know, actually. I was thinking about that recently. I kind of like the idea of playing around with the theme that we kind of all know from, like, The Exorcist. Well, in The Exorcist, it's more like there's this innocent kind of character which is suddenly, like, possessed by this hideous, like, demon and the whole point of the story is trying to rid her of this kind of demon. And I think I kind of play around with that in a sense, obviously, in a very different kind of mm. framing. But I think it's an easier way maybe to... I think historically as well, it's been like an easier way to discuss like mental health issues or unexplainable things that are hard to put in, in words. Yeah, you know, when people will say like, oh, I've got my demons, that mm. kind of thing. I think for me, it's like an easy way to visualise and discuss those topics. Yeah, but the devil character is not necessarily bad. It can be really protective as well. Yeah, definitely. I guess that's in a similar way to anxiety itself, where it can feel like a, a curse, but it can also protect you from things that you need to be protected from things that you're worried about it can be disruptive and it can be helpful as well yeah I mean so much of your work deals with inner reality but also kind of inner psyche as well and it's so much of your work kind of alludes to the body whether it's like through those kind of sewage pipe like illustrations but also so much of it kind of feels like it happens in our dreams as well and I'm so fascinated by your dreams and what are your dreams like because sometimes these look like my dreams in a strange way my dreams are crazy <laughs> crazy but I keep a dream diary because really I, yeah I could even read I'll read you some but yeah they're I'm very very interested in dreams lots of people say they find it boring when people talk about their dreams no. but I love it I like love it when my friends send me their dreams I love trying to analyze what it means when I have my dreams I they're an inspiration for my work but they're also I like to kind of 
yeah, understand the psychology of it. So I keep in my phone, I just, I'll wake up in the middle of the night. And it's funny because some of them I must write when I'm asleep because I'll read them back. And You've I'm like, like trained your mind to do it. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, they're always stuff like, so, so true to my work. Blood sucking leeches were everywhere and I had to cut them with a knife to kill them is one. Another one. We were all in a river. It was a competition where we needed to be carried along on top of big swimming turtles. The more turtles we collected underneath us, the more power we had and the faster we could go down the river. All the guys in the competition started cheating by penetrating the turtles underneath the water to try and make them more powerful so they could swim faster. Weird. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> yeah, really weird. <laughs> I was looking after Sophie's baby. It's my friend. The baby was so tiny that I was holding it in the palm of my hand and then it kept on getting smaller and then I couldn't find it. And I was searching through all the rubbish in my bags and pockets and still couldn't find it. But yeah, I have lots of very, very weird dreams about people that I know often oh my god that's so mm. cool but also especially like the baby looking for the baby in the palm like I could see you making a drawing about that yeah yeah, yeah. now looking at your drawings it all makes sense yeah lots of my dreams have kind of been stuff that I've put in my work and vice versa I think then sometimes I dream about some stuff I've drawn so one of my favorite works of yours is like a woman and a man and they're in bed and he looks like he's kind of caressing the woman why do you like to create these kind of alternate worlds I guess with the more surreal ones, which are usually the ones that are in the forest and the those kind of surrealish but like landscapey ones. When I'm drawing those ones, it's like escapism for me. Yeah. Whereas the ones that are in the bedroom, although they are also kind of surreal, they feel very like every day. And then occasionally I do like to then do ones that just feel like, for me, really therapeutic drawing those kind of surreal dreamlike ones. And I think for the viewer as well, I guess it is kind of like channeling you into a dream. I like the idea of like taking the viewer to this unknown world as well. Yeah, totally. And I mean, so much of your work is centered around domestic places, especially during lockdown. I've been visiting your work so much because I'm like, this is literally my life, these four corners of my room. And why do you like to sort of focus on that kind of everyday domestic interiors? I guess because that's how I would just generally spend most of my time less now but growing up I think I spent all of my time in my bedroom basically and you know and it's kind of like your place but it is also kind of a prison but it's also your whole world and I spent a lot of time when I was younger being very depressed but would just spend a lot of time online and in my room and that is definitely yeah you can see that in my work I'd say mm, yeah. I think it's the same for lots of teenagers and particularly when you don't have your own freedom yet and you spend a lot of time inside but then I just never really grew out of it you know <laughs> well especially now we're all doing it yeah. but I mean when I am confronted with your work on a surface level it appears quite funny humorous or bizarre but when you really start looking in the work as viewers kind of we dig into the layers of them which can mirror in a way, the darkness in the world. I mean, how deep do you want your drawings to go? I mean, do you want us to kind of unravel aspects about them and actually make us think about the wider world? Yeah, as deep as possible, please. Definitely, I think when you look at them, they kind of appear like childlike illustrations. I actually rebought some of like the childhood books that I used to read and could actually see how much I was influenced by them, but they don't look too dissimilar from like some Dr. Zeus stories or yeah. the where the world things are, that kind of thing. But but the meaning is quite adult and and yeah, I like that you can kind of unravel it. Yeah. That's so interesting because actually when you look at children's cartoons and everything as an adult now like just thinking about dr zeus or something yeah it's actually all quite dark underneath yeah 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 either with dr zeus 
when you read them now as an adult, they kind of tell really quite important moral stories as well. But yeah, with where the world things are, it, there are quite dark, you know, layers to it as well. And do you want these drawings to kind of have a narrative, have a story, or is it kind of up to us to interpret it ourselves? I think there's my story of it, but yeah. I really like to not explain it too much. And I, I love that other people take different things from it. That for me is the biggest kind of joy of creating the artwork is seeing people in the comments write what they think it means mm. and sometimes it's pretty spot on and sometimes it's not what I had intended but I really get what they're saying from it and sometimes it's better than mine <laughs> and that's why you're an illustrator yeah my friend actually messaged me when she saw the animation I just did recently and there's the the worm in the jar yeah and she was like, what I love about that is that it's like in lockdown, everyone feeding their bread starter. And I was like, <laughs> OK, I'm going to use that. <laughs> it's quite cool. <laughs> Sometimes people come up with these theories. They'll write these long things and it's not what I intended, but it really is great to hear other people relating to it and putting this meaning into it. Yeah. I mean, I love one of your works with the girl who's sort of asleep next to her phone charging and has about kind of 10 demons looking over her and I think what's so interesting about creating work in that kind of limbo time where you're not quite asleep but you're in bed it's such a sort of strange time but it's like just you and your thoughts in a yeah. way and it's kind of like when everything comes alive yeah and I just find that is just me every night essentially yeah I mean I've, I've actually been much better recently I used to say I had insomnia but I also felt like I wasn't really trying to go to sleep but I would stay up when I was at uni I would just stay up in bed until like 6am and then go to sleep and sleep all day when I was a teenager I would just do that and I'm actually trying not to do that at the moment because it is nice to be in the same sleeping pattern as other people but definitely like my brain comes awake at night and yeah. either either I'll lie in bed thinking of every single thing I have to do or yeah we can either get very anxious but also that kind of is when I feel like I think of my best ideas as well yeah definitely all my best ideas have been throughout the night yeah. and actually when you are working throughout the night sometimes I'll just wake up in the middle of the night and work yeah and Actually, it's like no one's going to disturb you. It's when you can be most focused as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I've really been trying to force because I work in the studio, which is it's above a pub. So you can't stay there all night. Um, and in some ways that is good that I do feel like the night is when I do get into my work the most. Also, your creatures come alive at night. Yeah. So I'm really fascinated about where you're from and your background, because what I love about your work is it really speaks to our time and I grew up in the sort of late 90s and mm. early noughties and through that kind of weird internet age. And so for me, the work resonates so much because it's literally how I've grown up and yeah. reminds me of kind of dial-in internet, reminds me of kind of MySpace days, yeah. MSN, etc. What was your background? Where did you grow up? And were you always drawing as a kid? Yeah, I was always drawing. I grew up in Kentish Town, North London. And yeah, I haven't really ever left. I'm still here. <laughs> My parents are kind of creative. My mum, she's a masseuse, but she is a really creative person she was in a band yeah it was in this kind of like flight of the concords yeah that kind of like comedy band she used to make like mirrors paper mache mirrors so i can see how she's definitely like kind of been a big influence and my dad also who I haven't lived with since i was seven but he is a quite amazing creative person as well he makes these big demon masks and heads so that is oh wow I mean he always says I copy his work so there you go but his work is very different from mine but yeah so I think they're both creative people although I don't think either of my family were really like in the art world yeah. being creative 
was quite a natural thing to be doing. But at the same time, I never really imagined that it would be a career. I didn't really see how that was possible. I think particularly from growing up with with my mum, you know, she'd have her creative thing, but then she'd have her job. So she would be at the beginning, she was like a cleaner and then she would make these mirrors and then she was like a van driver so she had her art and then she had her money making thing and I think that's kind of what I imagined would happen for me because I think when I first left uni I was trying to get jobs in creative fields and just getting nowhere and so I then started temping to make money as a receptionist and then yeah in my spare time I'd do these illustrations and put them on Instagram and it kind of built from there really yeah and then eventually when I set up my online shop then I could stop doing the temping which was great and it's yeah it's kind of actually become a bit of a career and hope hopefully it continues (laughs) I'm sure it will I mean how did you get into illustration so I had done I think at sixth form I did fashion art and media studies which actually like I think media studies is probably the one that's helped me most in my in my job everyone just always shits on media studies but I felt like it was really good in like understanding creating a brand stuff yeah. like that that has actually yeah. been quite helpful in making any money as an artist and then did a foundation year at LCC in graphic design I think because I had before then yeah got very into the computer so I was very into the internet very into MySpace yeah found it I think way more interesting than my friends did like my friends all had like a MySpace profile but I would spend like hours on it arguing with my family non-stop at why I needed to be on the internet but yeah I, but I was genuinely looking for artists on there and I was at that time that's when I started doing these characters and putting them on MySpace so I was wow yeah, that, so that was quite a long time ago. And it kind of did evolve from there, like the fascination with the internet and using the internet as a place to present my work. That's so interesting. And do you think that you've always had this like particular character in your head, like when you were creating those works for your online? Yeah, I think back then it was, it was, it was kind of different. And actually it was, now when I look at it, it was a real ripoff of Miss Van. Do you remember Miss Van? So back in the... Back in the day, it was like when Banksy was a big thing. Like that was kind of like my... <laughs> I love how it's not a big thing anymore. <laughs> and I just feel a bit embarrassed to say... That's so mean. I can't say that. <laughs> I feel embarrassed to say Banksy. Banksy is over. <laughs> um... <laughs> I love how they thought it was Neil Buchanan from Art Attack the other day. <laughs> He's very rich. I don't think he'll mind. But he was the big thing. And for us at school, graph was the big thing. And yeah. like there were loads of... There were loads of like graffiti crews in my school. That was the thing. Um, North London. I like remember thinking back then, this is really cool, but there's no women. I can't do font at all. So that wasn't my thing. But I did start like painting these female characters and and that was exactly what she did. And she was definitely someone that I looked up to when I was younger because she was in this art scene, but it wasn't really fine art. It was just kind of relatable. And actually you had Juno on this podcast. Yeah. And she was in my art class too. And I, she liked her work as well. It was these almost like rabbit kind of sexy, sad rabbit female characters. And when I look at my work that was from that age, that is obviously what I was yeah. going for. And I really felt connected to it. And, you know, it's not stuff that now I would look at and be like particularly inspired by. But I definitely was then. And I think that that was like, that had an influence on me drawing these female characters and how it's evolved. But I'm really interested, you know, I've I've read that you've said, you know, throughout your teens, you'd spend most of your days in a room not being able to get out of your bed yeah. and you'd stay up on the computer all night and then sleep away the whole day. I mean, do you kind of deal with this notion of internet addiction in your work? Yeah, definitely. Like in most of my work, you can see some sort of 
device. There's definitely some more than others that are about that kind of internet connection. There's also, I think with most addictions, it's normally because not that you're necessarily addicted to that thing, but it's a distraction from the other things that are going on yeah. or the kind of hole that you're trying to fill. And I think that's something that I kind of try and express in my work as well. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I mean, I've always been like very addicted to the internet and yeah. and even growing up would be again obsessed with MySpace and obsessed with like I I could code on MySpace. Yeah, me and, too. <laughs> and have insane profiles. Yeah. And always be and I think that's probably why I now have like a big Instagram account <laughs> because I may as well have done like something right. You like sort of teach yourself. Yeah. But I love how your work actually deals with that kind of anxiety of kind of being up in the middle of the night still on your phone still on the internet and that's actually very real for most people in the world now yeah I actually think that I am grateful that I have not grown up yeah I was kind of old enough when all of the Instagram thing has really taken over just I think growing up as a very young woman today with the pressures and looking like a certain thing or looking like yourself with a filter on or all of that stuff just must be a whole new thing to take on and I felt that enough anyway without having the influence of instagram snapchat and all of that stuff but i feel like today yeah wouldn't wouldn't want that to be me and obviously you launched your career online i mean how do you feel about the internet now i have quite a weird relationship with it now because i feel like i have to be grateful that it happened that way because otherwise i would literally just still be (laughs) temping and instagram has given me a lot of opportunities and I do feel grateful for that, but I also see that even the way that you kind of judge yourself depending on how well your post does and stuff that I would always tell someone else like, well, that doesn't mean anything, but because it's to do with my career, I feel like that's a bit different. Like before it was always gaining followers, you know, when you suddenly start seeing losing followers being like, oh God, does people not like, it's hard to not take it personally and are people not liking the stuff I'm doing now or them being like, is my career on its way out? Like kind of stuff that, I mean, I think you, you feel anyway as a freelance person, but it's it's hard not to take this stuff personally where actually I think people are getting sick and tired of Instagram. I think I would have deleted Instagram if, no, I probably wouldn't have, but I should have <laughs> deleted Instagram but yeah. because it's my career. I, I feel very dependent on it and I don't like that. And I have for the last two years, I think, been trying to work on projects and not just put them on Instagram, like actually give myself more time to work on them. And it doesn't have to be a constant pouring of new content. Like I think when you start thinking about your artwork as content, that's probably time to not be creating in that way. And and I'm definitely trying to take a step back. But then at the same time, you kind of need to make money. And it's a balance. And I, I feel really bad for younger artists or illustrators who have probably seen people like me or other big illustrators online that have had a big success from it because it's much harder now like the way that they've changed like the algorithm stuff or they want people to pay for promoted posts so they shadow ban like I think I've been shadow banned I don't really know like lots of artists lots of what's shadow ban when they kind of stop showing your content many people other than people that really engage with your account already because I can like now see on my insights that before whereas before people would find it in the explore area they will only show it to like a small percentage of your followers but I think it's just like a change of algorithm Instagram know that people are building careers off this and they want in on some of that money I think I'm I'm not going to complain about it too much but I think it's sad that for new artists that have probably seen other artists be able to do that and hope to do that and now it's I don't think it's possible in the same way really yeah and I kind of love that your work also kind of deals with that anxiety as well 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that I think we all feel really embarrassed about. Like, yeah. everyone knows it's a bit shallow and a bit stupid to be like, and the wrong thing to be doing to be judging themselves on how well, yeah, their posts are performing. But it is kind of hard to not do as well. Yeah. I've spoken about this with so many people and I think it's something that we need to speak about more. Mm. It's like, what would you rather be measured on? Your likes yeah. or something actually really deep and meaningful? Yeah. I think we need to sort of train people up to not feel so personally about because the internet it's a bit like the devil in your work yeah. isn't it this alter ego in a way yeah. like my internet presence is not me obviously yeah, yeah yeah it's artwork people always tend to have this idea of me which i think is that i'm a very outgoing out there person and that's not really who i am mm. and i think that that's true with lots of people's social media as well and that's meant that i've been able to work on like longer projects or like bigger projects without feeling like i need to just create something to post it mm. And I mean, your works also feel like kind of humorous takes on sexuality. And, you know, why do you like to play with humor to tackle these supposed taboo subjects that surround women? I mean, I think it's what's so interesting is I've been following you for maybe five years. Mm -hmm. And even in that time, you know, in 2015, it was sort of so unheard of still to sort of discuss female sexuality. And now it's such a common theme. I mean, how have you explored kind of female sexuality in your work with this idea of humor? Yeah, I think definitely at the beginning when I first started doing that, I felt like I just wasn't really seeing anything that talks about sex from a female perspective. I think I felt frustrated a lot in those situations that in sexual experiences with guys that you could either be disrespected. There were just kind of so many situations around that time, which it was kind of ridiculous. I remember feeling I could have made endless content about the stuff that was going on at that time. I'm sure other people were making this kind of stuff. I wasn't seeing much discussion around like yeah kind of female sexuality and particularly in a in a less serious way now it's everywhere so much that I'm like oh I don't want it. I'm bored of hearing about yeah. it I'm bored of talking about it but no obviously it's good I mean why do you like to use humor to kind of as a large part of your work I guess it's just fun isn't it I think particularly at the beginning of my career I think that I used humor to talk about things that I found difficult to talk about if you're making it a joke it's not so embarrassing or you're in control of the joke instead of people laughing at you and I think that's definitely what I was doing at the beginning and still sometimes now but I I kind of like it to be a bit bizarre and a bit silly as well mm. um at surface level and then people can kind of take what what they want from it as well and so I think so much of your work deals with the kind of psyche and deals with this idea of mental health. And when I look at works like Caught Up, you know, which is this incredible image of this girl basically sucked into these snakes of arms that are kind of piling up. I mean, do you think about what's going on in that person's head? Do you want people to kind of relate to the psyche and the anxiety of that person in the drawing yeah I think so like this piece has probably come from when people first started talk well not first started talking about feminism online Instagram feminism which yeah. was like all these kind of inspirational quotes of you know women should just ask for a pay rise they don't ask enough that's why they're not paid enough I think at the time as hearing advice like that but also at the time when I kind of was creating this as feeling it just wasn't possible like it wasn't working it's that feeling of this this one is about wanting to move forward and feeling really sucked down and so I think with most of my pieces of work it would be drawing how I feel and I just think by trying to kind of draw as honestly and like authentically as possible that that kind of is usually what means that other people can relate to it as well definitely and so I think that 
it's so interesting how you've now kind of moved on to animation and what I love about the halfway to nowhere video but also yeah. the most recent one is the fact that these stories have actually come alive and because I think what your work is so brilliant at and sometimes you kind of make them as sort of storyboards but you can kind of enter this person's mind or you can enter this alternate reality you've written and drawn these illustrations which have been made into animations mm. and what I love about it is the fact that these characters have come alive and you can hear their voice and you can hear the music they listen to and you can actually see them in their environment you can see this kind of demon come alive you can see it germinate from a caterpillar right into sort of a human like form I mean how has it been actually telling the story of those women in an animation like way yeah it's been really cool I think definitely over the last few years I've been focusing a lot more on telling stories with my artwork which I guess I can do in an image as well but it's really cool being able to kind of invite a viewer in to see more of that just sadly it would I'd like it to be longer but it's just so expensive but yeah it's been really cool kind of developing those characters more and thinking about what the voice would be how she spends more of her time and and bringing those kind of illustrations into longer stories that story I started writing at the beginning beginning of lockdown I knew I was going to be working on an animation because I was meant to be doing an exhibition in New York and we present which is part of we transfer we're going to sponsor that and they said they sponsor it if I'd agreed to do an animation with them afterwards and then the exhibition got cancelled because of corona but it was actually so good to have that project lined up because I would have just been on Twitter non-stop like googling <laughs> symptoms of coronavirus but I was so busy from the beginning of that and writing about how it felt to to be in lockdown, I think particularly kind of over the last few years, I was like dealing with my first experience of grief and I kind of had had wanted to do something about grief at some point, but I don't know, I couldn't really seem to draw about it. It all seemed a bit weird. I finally felt like in a place where I could do something to do with grief that wasn't personal to do with my experience because you know, and everyone was just talking about how many people were kind of dying in the situation or relationships being broken up. And so it was interesting to try and write a story that could kind of tap into those experiences. And so that's what I did with the story. Yeah. And it was actually, for me, it was really therapeutic doing a piece about that because normally with experiences that I find difficult, I will draw about it and that'll be a release. And I kind of felt like I couldn't really go there. Um, in my own personal situation so it was interesting working on this piece as well so I collaborated with Andy Baker on this and we both kind of talked about wanting to create a story that was kind of open-ended and so people if they had that experience they could relate to it in that sense but they could also as I said everyone can relate to heartbreak and so yeah it was cool to work on this and we'd done obviously the Shalou video before which was an animated video and that's that was really cool and actually I realized that it's kind of easier to do a video that's with a song because it kind of just engages someone all the way through whereas this it was more story based and you kind of want the ups and downs the intense moments and yeah I was glad that it worked properly because we had just been working on it for like quite a long time and you know when you watch something so many times you're like is this good? But yeah, it's, it's amazing collaborating with animators because they can just kind of like, I was really worried about working with animators from the first place because I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to my work, but also these characters feel so personal to you. But th I mean, they're amazing to work with. They really were so, I mean, I draw the characters from every single angle so they know how it all works. But yeah, each time they'd like send me a bit back. It's so exciting to watch the character that you have designed and thought up. 
and they've just got it perfectly. No, it's so cool. I mean, it's just so nice in this new film. You, you just get the sense of this girl's complete kind of life and her wholeness. And I love the fact that I've never really seen animation in a way designed for people, you know, my age, I guess not kids mm. animation, from a real kind of female perspective. I think, yeah. you know, so much of the animations that we see, South Park, Family Guy, yeah. whatever, Futurama, you know, <laughs> that's more family. But South Park and Family Guy is very written from a male perspective. Yeah. And I think it's like out there. I've been trying now. I've been working in animation, actually watch more animation. But it is not easy to come by. Yeah. What I love about it is the fact that you kind of just like follow her. Like my favourite bit of the film is when the, the music goes on. I don't know. It's all about their kind of relationship and like the sort of development of their relationship. Yeah. So basically there's this girl, Ray, yeah. and she gets this package and this kind of caterpillar emerges from it who turns out to be one of your demon figures. And it's all about them kind of building their relationship. Yeah, I think it was the first kind of narrative animation that we've done where I kind of wanted to include reoccurring characters from my illustrations. And so it's about this demon kind of entering her life. What did you want to get from creating this of narrative like animation i think when i create the illustrations i always have an idea of the story in my head of where it comes from or where it's going but i can't really show that to the viewer it's just a kind of viewpoint one viewpoint in um and so with the animation i wanted to try and give more of a background and more of a development into the kind of relationship of the character in the demon where she is you know very irritated by the demon and it's kind of like this enemy but it's also like a really annoying best friend yeah I think that that is something that I have thought about a lot with my drawing so it was really cool to actually be able to create a story out of that as well and show the development of her embracing the demon and learning to live with the demon yeah and do you think you're going to do more of this in the future yeah I'd really like to for the last few years I've been developing stories that I want to try and like make some sort of graphic novel and then hopefully either like a film or a series is what I'd like to do with it long term yeah it's so exciting well Polly Law thank you so much for coming on the podcast Thanks today for having me. <laughs> as is the Great Women Artists podcast we do always ask our guests if there was a female artist alive now or from the past who you'd most like to be uh, who you'd most like to meet who would it be and what would you say to them I'd most like to be and I'd most like to meet Frida Kahlo obviously <laughs> because I'm basic but everyone loves her and I love her too would you say anything in particular to her just <laughs> he's not worth it <laughs> <laughs> brilliant thank you so much Polly <laughs> thank you thank you all so much for listening to the 51st episode of the Great Women Artists podcast with the brilliant Polly Knorr I'm absolutely fascinated by Polly's fantastic work and have linked to all of her latest animations and other work in the show notes which I urge you all to check out this episode was sound edited by the brilliant Laura Hendry and if you have been enjoying these episodes so far I would be so grateful if you were to leave a review as it helps others find us and of course thank you so much for listening to the Great Women Artists podcast with me Katie Hessel 